You can support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash geektherapy. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. Here at Geek Therapy, we believe that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the media we care about. My name is Jose Cardona, and I'm joined by Laura Taylor. Hey. And Link Keller. Hello. So before we came up with a topic this week, I think sometimes every 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 few weeks we like have more trouble than others <laughs> coming up with an idea for for an episode. And I try to like ground it again as like this is us trying to practice these ideas on a on a regular basis, right? Study and practice. Like how can we uh, what can we find that we've either witnessed recently or that people are talking about in the community or that I mean, one of Lara's clients uh, has, has uh, you know, something something happened and it reminds you of something. Um, and so we try to bring these examples in so that every week we practice this main idea that through media we can help each other understand each other, understand ourselves. We can use that in education. We can use that in uh, clinical work. We can use that in social justice work. Now, like, there's so much that we can use this for. Um, and so... This week, it is Link's turn. Link, what are we talking about this week? So I'm not actually sure uh, if this is something I found and sent to you or if you found it and sent it to me, but... Well, you sent it to me, so... (laughs) Okay. Anyways, on TikTok, came across a a TikTok of a woman um, talking to herself in the bathroom, into the mirror, as is classic for the medium uh (laughs) and she's talking about how she was uh you know talking with her therapist and was mentioning how sometimes she you know is sort of reminded of something about her trauma and she just really like really focuses in and and only thinks about that for like you know a while and her therapist is like, honey, that's that's a flashback. You're having, that, that's a flashback. And she was like, no, 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 that's not a flashback. Like, well, what do you think a flashback is? And she's like, oh, well, you know, when it's like, you think that like you're back then and like, I can like, I can like see my surroundings. I know where I am and everything. It's not like that. And she's like, did you, did you learn that from movies? And she's like, mm, yes. It's just <laughs> Very comedically timed, but what I thought was really interesting is um, <clears throat> she was really coming from a place that's like even even already having a diagnosis of PTSD and still being like, well, that's not that's not me because that's not what I've seen on TV or in movies, and my brain just has assumed that that was a realistic representation. <laughs> And sometimes you don't realize you have those kinds of beliefs until you're sort of faced with them in that way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in many ways, we talked about this during the the cops episode that we did a few weeks ago, which is like, oh yeah, like, like what we think we know about policing is because we see it on TV mm-hmm. or the majority of it, and so that frames our our worldview of it and. You know, it has been, it has been, it has come up on the show often, uh, different uh, sides uh, uh, on the argument that um, that TV frames <laughs> that like that we know better, right? That we see something on TV, we're like, no, we know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's the first time you see something, or 
or in this case, like what's really interesting about this is like she's working with a therapist. Like she's mm-hmm. she has a diagnosis. There's like all these parts of it, and there's still that one. There's there's still the component of it, like a a, a symptom. It's like no, 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 no. Like this can't be what I'm experiencing because that's not what it looks like in movies at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that happens most frequently. Uh, as you said, when when it's like a novel experience, it's not something you've ever heard about, thought about, experienced yourself. Um, or if it's something that's just like it does not come up in your life regularly, your your brain legitimately is like, well, this is all I have to pull from, so I'm going to pull from it. <laughs> it's like, somebody that's not maybe useful information, brain. You didn't? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, actually, this is this is super related to. I forgot to send this to you earlier. I I, I sent it to you with my mind, but I didn't, send, <laughs> I didn't actually post it in the. In the that that that's that's not that's not valid. You gotta is send this, it. Does that that? S- yeah, I don't think I don't think it worked. But um, so I haven't listened to this podcast, but it's an it's a recent episode of Hidden Brain, and a coworker brought it up to me today. And I was going to share it with you. And where do I have it? I copied it somewhere. Um, okay. It's, uh, let me let me see. I, I've almost got it. It's about a soap opera in somewhere that made people think about something. I'm sorry. I'm typing oh, at the same time. Oh, I think I, well, maybe this is an older thing. But there was, uh, like in South America somewhere, um, they did a, a radio soap opera. Um Yep. So this was, uh, I think, I'm not sure if this is the same one, but it's uh, the episode is Romeo and Juliet in Rwanda, how a soap ah, opera sought to different. change a nation. Um, and hmm. yeah, it's, it says, um, uh, let me see if I can kind of jump around. Um, but basically it's about how this, this idea was presented to a, a large group of the population. Um, and, and it, it like it changed minds. It introduced ideas that weren't there, and like, I I get why, like Hollywood is powerful. Like it's super powerful. Like everything we see on TV, anything that's popular, it is it is so important. It definitely frames the way we think, and it it almost establishes what what normal is in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. goes like it it goes even beyond. Like this is a this is an amazing example of a of a very mental health um centric example, but there's so many other things that just the the normal quote unquote is just established by what people see heterosexual um couplings um uh monogamy uh straight people white supremacy all these things are just like that's just what you see you just expect it to be normal you see something different than that, and it's like oh it's different like what what is that? Where'd that come from? <laughs> that's not that's not what I've that's not what I'm what I'm used to seeing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is um, for, it is for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like well, I mean, humans are like inherently pattern seeking creatures, and and that is like something we're really good at. Something that helps us survive and uh, like form memories and learn from things like that shit is dope as hell but part of that is like sometimes we're gonna get like missed hits and Mm -hmm. sometimes we will build our belief systems off of patterns that are you know from from not personal experience um 
it, and it, it can be less useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. and this is stuff that starts, we're exper- exposing kids to media at younger and younger ages, and mm-hmm. kids that are under two, under one, getting screen time, and they are learning uh from their parents and from what they see in the media that's and especially right now that is what their experience is they're stuck at home and those are their people um yeah yeah like, yeah like I understand. so those are the images and the the experiences they're gonna have and take that for real yeah like i understand the the fear and the concern of of people who are more conservative that don't want things to change and then like you start seeing things that they don't want to see in shows that are earlier and early for earlier and earlier ages. I, I get it because, because TV works. <laughs> it just, it just works. Um, TV and movies, they just, they just work. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you think about it, like sort of excising the, the media aspect and just look mm-hmm. at it from the fact of like, we are shaped by our environments, whatever mm-hmm. you see and hear and smell and taste and feel and, uh, you know, perceive around you is what shapes, you know, who you are, how you understand the world, what your beliefs about the world are, what your beliefs about yourself and your place and your community. All, all of that is shaped by your own experiences throughout your life. And right now we live in a world that is highly mediated. We are all regularly engaging with some form of media and it, even though it is distinct from real life experiences, they are still part of our experiences and they are still shaping everything about us the same way that, you know, anything else that is in, in your environment affects you. So especially, so it's like, I, I know both of you live in the San Francisco Bay area your experience is very different from people who live in, in other parts of, of the country. And I mean, we, we, we have these conversations, right? Where it's like um, somebody who, I don't know. I, I have a few examples. I don't know if you want to bring any, any of these up or like maybe you've met someone who was like surprised to learn that things are, are so different. Like, like that same example, but very differently. <laughs> like I, th- I think a part of the discussion about um, um, right now, Black Lives Matter movement, like, oh yeah, like where does a lot of this anti-blackness come from? And I'm not saying uh, all of it comes from media, but like that hasn't been helpful um, at all. And, mm-hmm. and like, I can speak personally, like it just pisses me off when uh, Hispanic families are represented or Hispanic person is represented on TV because there are definitely some tropes that are like always there. And I take it personally because I know that there's more variety. <laughs> there's more, right. that, that doesn't, that isn't representative. Like it could be one person or one family's experience, but it is not representative of all of Latin culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like, you know how there's, there used to always be, and I think there, there's still, it still happens a lot where there's this one Hispanic character and every fourth word is a Spanish word. You know, mm-hmm, they're like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, no, I was going and I was with my familia and then we were going and we're going to go, yeah, you know, and hey, how are you, chica? And they're like, they're like, they put in all these Spanish words like, wait, 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 like there are people like that, but like, it's not, we're not all like that. 
Mm-hmm. Like not everybody does that or not all the time. And it's like, okay, there's this one version of it. And of course, I mean, there's, there's all this history of like, you know, the black and brown people are the, the, the terrorists, the, the robbers, the thieves, the murderers, the, the general bad guy. Um, it's a pattern. Look it up. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so it's like taking Puerto Rico for just as an example, it's like, Oh, Puerto Rican people are represented here, but it's like, like you've never been to Puerto Rico or like you hear people talk about a place or a thing. It's like, that's not, Oh, I, I had a really interesting, um, exchange with, uh, John Ramos on our, on our anime podcast, uh, Otaku Ryoho, where I was, I was talking about like all these assumptions that I have about Japan based on watching anime not even mm-hmm. like live action <laughs> not even live action japanese not even ghost of tsushima not even <laughs> ghost of tsushima i mean technically that's like a period piece um but part of it right i'm like i expect to see some things uh, uh like that but there's so much that just i just assume it's a particular way because of because of anime like i i know i've like told my mom when i was a teenager i was like mom did you know that in japan things are like this and like this i don't know if that's true it's just something i saw in an anime <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, not even like Japanese reality TV. <laughs> yeah. And and I didn't think twice about it. And also in a way it's like the idea of visiting Japan was was almost impossible to me at that age. And and for many years. And it wasn't until recently where I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute. I I, I want to go to Japan and I want to see it. And I, I can't wait to compare one thing or another." But I like I know I know people who like didn't meet a black person until they were an adult and so they had they came in with all of these ideas that were based on never having met uh, a black person in their lives and you know put any other race or 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 ethnicity or gender orientation or anything else there yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why representation <laughs> matters it does it does <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. And but not just representation, like variety of representation. Yes, yes. But, but, we want like all it. the blackness and all the queerness and all the genders, like all of it. Yes, all of it, all the stuff. But accurate ones too, like <laughs> right? I mean, I yes. mean, all but all the accurate ones, all of it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's so hard. The, right, go, go ahead. Yeah, the yeah. the idea being that with more versions, that mm-hmm. we approach more closer to the ephemeral truth, because so much of this stuff is personal experience. I mean, when you're talking about, especially mental health stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the way that depression is often shown in movies is like straight up suicidal thinking extremely sad crying all the time doesn't get out of bed and it's like that is absolutely some people's experience of depression but other people are just like i i don't feel hunger anymore and like i don't care about you know the book i've been working on for the past three years like i don't Mm -hmm. i don't care about it anymore yeah and stuff like right. that is like if we have more examples to look at, then we'll be better at having flexibility in our internal structures of what we think and believe about those things instead of being super structured like this one version I saw in one movie is the real thing and everything must be compared to that is like we want a whole closet full of things to compare to and try on and be like this 
aspect of this thing fits, but it doesn't fit in that way. But that's okay because, you know, there's other things. Yeah. Well, and that's why I explain to clients, like, I do my run through in every intake about the kind of work that I do um, and using media. So I try to explain to clients, like, it doesn't have to be focused on like a symptom or a diagnosis you think you might have or want me to look at for you. Like it's, it has, if you find some piece of media that resonates with you and can articulate your experience, your internal experience, how the world is around you, bring it to me, show me, because then I have some idea of a starting point and what I'm looking at. So if somebody showed somebody who just didn't want to eat some, I could look at that. And be like, okay, well, maybe we're looking at depression. Maybe we're looking at other things and and that kind of thing. Um, and I'm very clear about, like, what my anxiety is looks very different from what someone else's anxiety looks like. And I could be saying that I'm having a panic attack and you couldn't see it. So having some kind of... I don't know, somebody brings in a dialogue, an internal monologue or something from a book or whatever, where someone's going through these racing thoughts, I can be like, oh, okay, so that's the kind of panic attack you're talking about, or whatever it is. Um, But it doesn't have to be limited to just what people consider mental health and, and symptoms of that. Like, everything's on the table for what people's mental health effects so yeah like the the core the the core of the theory of geek therapy is affinity right it's like did something make you feel something and Mm -hmm. and so like oh we can use that like did it what did you feel you saw this thing on tv and it made you feel something what did it make you feel let's talk about that Mm -hmm. that's what helps you get there yeah i think in the i think that in the broader conversation these things that do make us that inform not just our thoughts but our, the way we feel about things or, or people or groups of people is where is where it's most um, most important, right? Where the the potential harm and benefit is there, right? So if mm-hmm. if you're used to seeing a group of people and every time they're doing bad things, then you start feeling like they might be dangerous. And that's like, that's a feeling like you don't want to feel scared around certain people. If you've never had the the, uh, genuine, you've never had any other experience and that's it. That's what you have. And, and that's what you're carrying around with you. So when it comes time to, you know, practice that again, you're, you're presented with what you think, you know, you know, with what you know, then you react with the feelings that you've, that, that you have uh, around it. It's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I was thinking about the coronavirus right now and we, there's so many, there's so much that we still don't know about it. And there's the, there's all these new symptoms that are, that are, that people are showing up to the hospital with. And like, you may not have, like we're talking about new symptoms now that we didn't talk about, you know, three months ago. And so if you are feeling something, how do you know that it's coronavirus or, or, or it's not like you, you don't, right? Like I'm, I, I, I don't have it. So I have no idea, but every now and then I have a symptom. I'm like, Oh, is that it? Is that, is that, <laughs> do I have coronavirus? Like, is this it? Because I don't, I don't know. I've never had it. I can't tell you what it feels like to have coronavirus. So I'm making decisions based on the information that I'm getting from other sources. 
because like mm-hmm. honestly i don't i don't want to experience coronavirus at all <laughs> and mm-hmm. so uh, it doesn't sound good <laughs> the the um the experience so i'm trying to avoid it but it's all based on on information that i'm getting from other people and yeah like so, sometimes it just you don't some people's beliefs about it change right like my beliefs are 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 one way and which are which lean toward the fact that um coronavirus will fuck you up <laughs> Right. Some people believe the opposite and then um, it isn't until they either see people in their community or a family member or they get sick themselves that then it's like, oh, wait a minute. No, it's different than what I thought because then like you had the experience. Mm-hmm. And I guess, unfortunately, I mean, I guess it could go the other way around too. I could get coronavirus and it could be like, I could be one of the mild cold people, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after that, I can, I don't know. I don't think I'll go around telling people, oh, you know, it's nothing. It's, it's it'll pass in two days. But there are some people who are like that. <laughs> there are some people who will definitely <laughs> go, go like mm-hmm. that. But I'm I'm using it as an as an example of, you know, we we make from we we make decisions and and our beliefs are informed by the information that we have. Yeah, I, I'm uh, as you're describing this, I'm thinking maybe another example is um, like when getting tattoos, right? is if you haven't had a tattoo before, you have no reference point as to what it's going to feel like to get a tattoo. And so you will ask people like, what was it like when you got your tattoo? So you're getting a secondhand opinion, (laughs) experience Uh about it, but you're also getting it in like not currently experiencing it, right? And pain is very much an experience that is uh, almost impossible to describe when you are not currently in it, right? Um, and so trying to tell somebody what it was like to get a tattoo and how painful it was, it's going to depend on that individual person and where they got the tattoo on their body because different parts of the body are more or less you know, prone to pain and different people are more or less prone to pain. And so it's like y- you gather information from other people, but there's always still sort of a reference recognition that it's going to be different because it'll be your experience. It's also really hard to put sensations and emotional feelings and like sensations into words Mm -hmm. sometimes. Like I recently went to go get to a few weeks ago, I got tested for coronavirus and people had been talking about on the website, the facts were like, is it going to hurt? And some people are like, well, it can be painful. I went and got tested. The guy sat me down and he said, so it's not painful. It's uncomfortable. And I said, what the hell in my head? I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Mm -hmm. And as he was doing it, I was like, oh, Oh, that's exactly (laughs) what he means. And I cannot describe it in any other way than it is not painful. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) So I understand why he said it that way. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, th- there are other things where people try. Like I've I've heard people describe like, what's it feel like to have a tattoo? It's like, oh, it's buying, like being stabbed by a million needles. It's like that's not helpful well, for me. I mean, I've never that's been stabbed. What it is. I've never been stabbed <laughs> yeah. by a million needles. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and right, it's like you use that that reference point, right? It's being stabbed by a thousand needles. Like the types of needles that you associate with hearing like stabbed with needles is, for most people, I assume, going to go the uh, the horror movie 
route mm-hmm. of being like somebody's like coming from behind you and jabs you in the neck with a big old syringe full of glowing green goop. And this it's is, like, this no, is no, great. no, we say needle in that it's literally it's a tiny metal tube because the tube holds the ink and then it goes and it under the skin. doesn't go in very far. <laughs> it goes in very little. It does. It's it doesn't go subdermal. It goes just in between the two the two layers and it's like yeah. Uh, water molecule mechanics is how it all ends up working. And it's like, that's some wild ass shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and then it's so afterward, funny. it feels like a sunburn. Yep. <laughs> but it's so funny because you said, you say needles, and I've never, every time I've somebody has said that, I didn't think of the needles how you described them. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of this. The only needles like I really have. sewing needles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sewing See? needles. See, look, at, look yeah. at how much like your own experience is shaping that, right? I'm sure yeah. people who have spent a lot of time, you know, if they had like illnesses as a child or whatever, when you say needle, they think like medical needle. Right. But then right. you have somebody who's like, I'm a professional knitter. When you say needle, I'm thinking of my 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 knitting needle like what what are you talking mm-hmm. about <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean like small tiny sewing needle like the thing i would like fix a a sock with or something i don't know right like something small not even not even something big yeah and i didn't think medical needles either yeah Oh, As so a funny. diabetic, I pictured my lancets yes, uh, yes. to check my blood sugar, <laughs> which are actually really tiny, but they go in a lot deeper because they have to draw blood. Mm-hmm. So it goes a lot deeper than just that in between those layers of skin. And that's another thing. Sometimes the needle, like when you think about that, it's how far does it go in? Are you going into fat? Are you going into muscle? No, the tattoo needles only go just into the skin. So... And and your reference with the lancets, it's like that's a part of your life. Like you've done that thousands of times. I've yeah, pricked and myself I'm still with a sewing needle. Of other needles. <laughs> but, <laughs> I've pricked myself with a needle like maybe three times in my entire life with a sewing needle, and that's pretty much it. Wow! Um, look at yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over here, good. I definitely jammed a whole ass sewing machine needle through my thumb. <laughs> Ooh, quilting is not for quitters, is what I'm saying. Okay. Quilting is not for quitters. I would think my stepmom would agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, oh, man. So, like, uh, going back to that, that TikTok video, that's why I like that. You know, we we tend to talk about symptoms when we talk about symptoms, and then we we talk about that in, in a very general sense. Like even just saying PTSD, like PTSD is not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an umbrella term in the DSM that that has many possible combinations of symptoms, and each of those symptoms can look very very different. And even the the whole flashback thing, right? Like it's like, oh, she described what she was experiencing, <laughs> and, the, and the therapist is like, well, that's like, what, like, what what do you think is happening? <laughs> yeah. What do you call that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I and, call it my uh, my trauma vision seatbelt launch chair. It's like, mm, well, we call it flashback. Maybe that's a faster way to say it. <laughs> yeah, and and ultimately, I it, I don't think it matters. What do you what do you call them? Like usually, I don't. Mm-hmm. I usually don't say flashbacks. I'm like intrusive, intrusive memory, thoughts. intrusive yeah. memories, intrusive thoughts, right? And so even even just calling something a flashback is still like using the the Hollywood terminology for something mm-hmm. that we use often. It's not the 
necessarily the most medically used or, or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, ultimately, it doesn't matter because like it, the, the therapist is helping her interpret that. Like, you know, that's just it's all part of your PTSD that we're working on all the time yeah. <laughs> to address right. and make you feel better. That's just a part of that. Like, don't 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 worry about this new thing that's happening or this one thing that you think is weird. It's like it's all part of what we've been discussing. Yeah. Right. There are other experiences, though, where it could matter. I'm thinking of one when I was younger. Um, it's something I actually uh, I don't talk about much. Um, when my mom died, I I had to force myself to cry. Um, she died when I was 11. And um, people looked at me weird for being able to go to my friend's house and play. But this, I, this experience of not being able to cry and having to force myself to cry. Be, and I felt like I had to because everyone, all the adults around me were crying. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- always felt like there was something wrong with me because I, I, my mom died. Why wouldn't I cry? Why didn't I, why wouldn't I be sad? Um, and then in my grief and loss class in grad school. So I spent, uh, almost 20 years of my life thinking there was something really wrong with me. And my professor in that class also lost her mother when she was around 12. Um, we really connected over that. And she said in a lecture um, that um, it's often the case that girls around that age can't cry when they lose someone close to them. And it blew my mind because I had been watching... All friends around me who had lost people, examples in media of kids crying when mommy or daddy dies or what, or the dog dies or whatever it is. And I thought there was something wrong with me. And there wasn't. Go figure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you literally see, I mean, in in some movies where it's like, that kid's not crying. Like, he must be crazy. Right? Like, they'll Mm -hmm. they'll say things like that. So it it reinforces that idea. Mm Mm-hmm. That there's, and, a way, that there's a way there's to nothing, grieve. Right. And there's nothing wrong with kids that do cry. It's just this, like, this idea that I had to force it. And like yeah. it just felt like a cold monster. And Fe- then, of course, like being sensitive were, later. Yeah. F- feeling like you were you were different or, or that there was something wrong with you. And having that, like, isolating feeling, especially as a kid where, you, you know, you don't have the socialization practice to sort of, like be like mm-hmm. is this is this logical thinking or should i reference some other people and see what's happening here it's just one of those things where it's i mean don't get me started on fucking talking about death in general but it, it's one of those <laughs> things especially around death is like we don't talk about it enough and so we really do use media as our example of what is expected of us and so mm-hmm. much of our media is very narrowly showing a specific type of grief or a specific way that uh, our culture expects people to grieve. And a lot of that is, you know, very white and very uh, Christian, of course. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just just having that realization of like that, just because that is what I have seen the most of does not mean that that is the norm. And my way is abnormal. It's just right. that's just the that, that's unfortunately the major representation you've you've had access to or or that exists is only that sort of that specific type of representation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's totally programming, right? It's like mm-hmm. once you once you discover like it took you twenty years to start on like deprogramming <laughs> that right. particular um, your your views around grieving and yourself, right? It's like oh, like I can imagine all the things you you thought. Over over the course of that time, 
Yeah. Right. Well, and then and then being overly, I say overly emotional, but very emotional about it later on in life. It and may, or like, even a year later, I'm like, too? am I fucking crazy? Like, that is literally oh. like, yeah. And, and oh. my family didn't really make me feel any of these things. Yeah. They just dealt with what was going on with me at the time. But it's all this internalized stuff from what I've seen and what other people do and what what other people's expectations are. Um, yeah. You didn't yeah. cry when you were supposed to. And then when you did cry, it was too late. You're supposed to have been over it by then. What are you doing? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Why are Why are you still sad? Why are you still, why are you acting like this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you You're are, too sensitive. <laughs> you have to do your 30 minutes of crying straight while eating a pie during your first week of bereavement. Otherwise, you've done it wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the only okay. way to do it. That's I'm sorry. Rules. That's the, the rules. rules. It doesn't matter what type of pie it is, but it does have to be pie. No cakes. <laughs> Yep. No cake. Okay. No cakes. Okay. It's true. That's the rules. I'm gonna. So it's basically, I'm gonna have to stock my office with pies in case people come to me in the grief process and need that right then. That's what we're saying, Lara. Yeah. Okay. But you know, check in. Like, wait, how long ago did they die? Ten days. Oh, never mind. Then you slap that pie right out of their hands. It's too late for you. You now missed you get your cake. pie opportunity. <laughs> Get ready to be in weird grief for the whole rest of your life. Not like anybody else deals with that anyways. <laughs> so like, the, so th- there's so many parts of this because there's the, there's the, I, I think we're, we've talked a lot about the fact that you get so much of the same information or, or you only get one version of information. And mm-hmm. over time, like that's just, that's just what you know. That's, that's your programming. That's what you, that's what you understand. You don't know anything else, but even just one moment, like that one moment with your professor where she said something, it was like, Oh, wait a minute. That completely broke <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the, not illusion, but just like it opened up a possibility. And that's the other important thing about representation in media. It's like, just seeing one time, you know, that things don't have to be that way. It mm-hmm. like now you see the possibility that you you couldn't even think of before, because I think I think that's like the biggest problem, right? It's like oh, I've, I've never seen that version. I've never seen this before, so how can that be true? But now I saw it. And it's like oh, wait a minute. Is that is that possible? Is is that also something that can that can be I would I was I was so aggro for the next like week after watching after watching Wonder Woman after watching Wonder Woman just like oh my god there's a woman that's just telling them all what to do and what they're doing is stupid and like why did why are things so sexist and I was just so aggro for the next week and then it faded again <laughs> and then Captain Marvel came out <laughs> um I was I was talking with someone last night about um, they they had signed up. It was in uh, the title was in Spanish, but it was a like a webinar on I think the 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 literal translation would be diverse couplings would be the right way to to put it, and it was just like oh like there's not every relationship is um, like. Like not every relationship is like what you see on TV, basically, right? So I was talking to this person about yeah, like there's polyamory. There's I was I brought up like the the love languages. Like I I think that's a pretty cool way to like look at um um like that people show affection in different ways, right? Um, 
and there's um, something that I've been exploring uh, recently, like in, in myself is um, so Jessica, Jessica Vasquez, our, our stream team captain and co-host of the career comics podcast on her social media profile. She has that she's Demi ace. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what demisexual was. I was like, what, what, what the hell is demisexual? <laughs> I've never heard this in my life. So I was looking it up and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, 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 wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I identified real hard with that. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And like, even though like I have conversations like this all the time, there's still all these areas where I, I still don't think of different possibilities or different ways, ways to be. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I think, and now that's something that, that I'm, 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 I'm exploring. Like I'm, I'm, I, I think, I think I identify with demisexual, I think, and, but I'm learning about it now, but the, because I'm on, un, and I'm unlearning <laughs> other things, right. About how romantic mm-hmm. relationships are supposed to work or how you're, or what's, what sexual attraction is. And, and I'm like, Oh no, no, wait a minute. There's this whole world out there. There's all this literature The people mm-hmm. have been talking about this for decades and they're looking at it different ways and other, other people feel differently than I do, or they feel the same as I do. And I didn't know that. And, and yeah, there's a name for it and there's a, there's an experience and like if I, if I hadn't seen it called out like that, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be having this conversation now. I wouldn't be even thinking about this stuff. And that's something that has even been pathologized. Yeah. So much. Like, um, <laughs> I have, I have several clients who identify as ace or demi or gray ace or any of those different categories under the ace umbrella. And, all of them are very happy to have a therapist who understands and doesn't say that you have a problem and you need to go yeah. see somebody about having your hormones checked. <laughs> like it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was, I was talking yeah. to a family member who, who was like, no, because you know, my relationship with my husband and, and this and that. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It, it was all, it was all this guilt about how, how she's not doing things as is expected of her as a woman. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, stop. No, what are you doing? Yep. No, it's it. But, but I don't know if she would have told me this 20 years ago, I probably would have, I don't know what I would have said. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that those were conversations that you could have. I'd probably be like, yep, you're just different. <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> but now I can say like, Oh no, no, no. Like there's, there's a lot of people like that's, it's okay. Like it's, it doesn't have to be this way. You, you and your partner just have completely different ways of experiencing these things. And, and, and like, that's okay. It's okay. Or, or like it's, or, or it's not okay. Right. Like it's like, it's like in, in the sense that, you should probably talk about the fact that this, these two, they, this is yes. you and this is them. And that's not, that may not be compatible. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. And you're struggling I mean, with the idea that you have to be, or that these things have yeah. to have to gel. And it doesn't have to be that way because there, and there are examples of that everywhere. Yes. Pre- all of your preconceived expectations about relationships in general, but especially romantic relationships. Rom-coms have ruined us. (laughs) Please, please recognize how how much you are influenced by our extremely heteronormative Mm -hmm. society and and media. Like like I as as someone who identifies as as polyamorous, like 
discovering that polyamory was a thing and and reading up on it and educating myself it was a huge eye opener yeah. and and like you're saying Josue is like it it really reframed the, a lot of things that I thought about and uh, definitely changed the way I reacted to to certain things where I was just like, why are you doing it that way? Nobody said we had to do it that way. Exactly. We all just decided we needed to do it that way. And it's stupid. And we all agree that it's stupid. So why are we still doing it? <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but that's one of those things where like, if, if you're polyamorous and you like, it's probably not going to work with someone who's monogamous. <laughs> like that may not work. Mm-hmm. Like there it's it's possible, but like it's possible. It's, uh, it I, is, I, I, I know tricky, I know right? of people who have um, it, different types of of ethical non monogamy, where yeah, you can yeah. have a, a group of people and one of them is monogamous um, and others are not. That that is possible, but you absolutely must completely yeah. free yourselves yeah. from the monogamous heterosexual expectations that are around us constantly you you have to actively work against that stuff and um i do want to say that um that is that is a a large ongoing conversation in the poly community is is relationships with people who um don't necessarily gel with non-monogamy um in practice or in theory or both um yes Mm -hmm. i would like to point out that the the main functioning word there is ethical non-monogamy so so focus (laughs) on the ethical (laughs) focus on the ethical part focus on the actually communicating what your expectations are Mm -hmm. and why they are that way like spend time thinking about it and then talk about it also yeah, when I was, I, I really appreciate my poly clients who yeah. are very good at communicating things to me in a way that I can hear them, and very good at communicating things to their partners and understanding what their needs are and mm-hmm. reflecting on that and being able to communicate that. It is wonderful to see that in a group. Of I people. I do <laughs> think like that that is a side effect of of polyamory is like legitimately you are practicing interrelationship communication skills more so yeah you end up being more mindful of them yeah um when i when i had my private practice in north carolina as far as i could tell i was the only therapist in the entire state that listed on their website and on their like profile on psychology today and things like that that i worked with polyamorous um, um relationships and like yeah like i had i had many i worked with different relationships in north carolina like they sometimes came from pretty far because there was nobody else in the whole state. So even uh, like, like you said, Lara, like they feel comfortable. Someone feel comfortable with someone who knows that there are different ways to to do things. And yeah, it's all about communication and mm-hmm. all uh, relationship counseling. But uh, it was the most fun with the polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But again, yeah, like anything is possible. But like. I, I haven't done it yet, but I hear that like dating sites now, like they have all these check boxes. And I think that that's really important. There are some things that are like you should agree to <laughs> early on, you know, if you're trying to build um, um, like a meaningful or long term relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, like talk about those things up front. Like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 15 years ago, my friend and I were going to start a dating site with all these check boxes that didn't exist at the time. Damn, we could have made a living. <laughs> we could have made a killing. We could have had so much money and sold it for like millions of dollars. But Get no, that big we tender didn't do money. It. Yeah. <laughs> so many rounds of funding. Mm-hmm. And it, um, yeah, I mean, again, these are these are just uh, more examples of things that you don't. Like, I don't know. Like in the media that I'm I'm consuming on a regular basis, like these things don't come up often but oh actually we had a great conversation um link was our guest on on otaku ryoho again the our anime podcast and we had to talk about about gender and i wish we would have had more, more time to talk because like there's a there's a lot but it was basically like the idea that like the way that gender is presented in in some anime sometimes some of it is problematic but some some of it is really cool it's just like a character that looks um feminine but is but is male and and that's it like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just the way it is. Like, because that's a possibility that can be, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. refreshing to see that. Um, like, it, it, it's, uh, it's something for me that stands out in anime because it's something that you don't see in Western media, even, even today on a regular basis. Yeah, I think the only, well, that's not even an example of that. But in the Wonder Woman, I don't even know what to call it anymore. But it was a uh, Willow Wilson's. Um, run of wonder woman mm-hmm. um there's a non-binary character that yeah. is a god or a demigod who is both male and female and so you have a completely androgynous uh yeah body figure and face it is amazing to see and the the effort that they went into into putting that de- in the artwork and making it clear that this character had basically no gender yeah. uh, was, was so cool. Um, yeah. But that's one of the few like drawn or animated kind of examples I can think of yeah. in Western culture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, I think if I'm remembering correctly from, from that episode, like it was just we like, I think we started, we started going down the rabbit hole of like trying to put labels on this character and it's like, Oh no, no. Like, it seems like it's just a character that identifies as male, but presents as female, and that's that's it. They weren't like mm-hmm. necessarily non-binary. There wasn't there wasn't any title or any word or necessarily anything because like that's not necessary either. But, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this in pronouns and things like that. Right? It's like you can just you just be <laughs> also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be any combination of uh, of 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 things. Anything is possible, and that idea is just. That's, I think that's what we're getting at, right? That it's um, when you don't see those possibilities, when you don't see that something else is possible. How do you how do you know? <laughs> or that something is a different way. If flashbacks are always represented the same way in movies, <laughs> how can I, how can this what I, what I'm having uh, be a flashback? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important. I mean, this is this is so important. I mean, there's so many. I can't. So this happened a lot with kids, I think, but I mean, kids in general, right? Like you, 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 you learn what your parents tell you, but there's also like, sometimes right? it's like, oh, like I did this thing because I saw it on a, I don't know. I was reading the other day about a music video 
um, a Bad Bunny music video where they like light a car on fire. And then these kids went and were like, oh, we want to recreate the video. So they lit a car on fire and one kid died because he, <laughs> oh, no. like, he doesn't know how to light a car on fire. It's like, that's TV, right? Like you don't, <laughs> you don't know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. so many things. Like again, that video, it just like brings back all these flashbacks of, of working with, with students in particular, I think is when, when you saw it the most, because they're literally like trying to emulate people on television. They're looking mm-hmm. like them. They're trying to sound like them. And, mm-hmm. and then they become them <laughs> in many ways. Like you just adopt those, those, um, and it, I mean, it happens to all of us, right? Like that's, that's another part of it, which is that so much of it is, is unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it, mo- most of it even yeah, yeah. is unconscious, yeah, I would yeah. say. Like we we are not aware. We can't be aware of everything that we are perceiving at all times yeah. um, with a, a critical eye to what we are perceiving like it it's it's just it's not possible our our brain power is not we don't we'd have to install more ram Um, (laughs) but being aware that that is how our brains work and trying to practice flexibility in in your thoughts and beliefs and and when you receive new information that those are those are skills that we practice, and so the the more that you practice that, the better you get at it. Um, we'll never get to a hundred percent efficiency, uh, but you know what? That's that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I f- I feel like it's mostly a reflective exercise. Absolutely. It's like when did I start saying that word? When did I start s- speaking like this? When did I start liking this? Or when did I start thinking this way? It's mm-hmm. like, oh no, it already happened. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh but, yeah, trying trying to like backtrack where you picked up a, a certain yeah. like inconsequential belief, but you're all like, I know that that's true a hundred percent, and it's like, but how? How yeah. do you know that? Or when even did worse, you like, learn that as it's happening, it's like that's a, that's that's the hardest it's part. Not, I think. It's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are literally words where I'm like, I've been using this word for so long, and then like. I'll hear someone else say it. I'm like, wait, you say that too? Like, I thought I came up with that, but I had heard it somewhere <laughs> else. And like, oh, it drives me nuts. Cause I'm like, I couldn't have been the one that came up with this word that everybody's using now. But <laughs> I, I remember doing it on my own. <laughs> there, there are things like um, accents. When I, um, mm-hmm. in Spanish, I pick up accents very easily. It's, <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. And, I mean, times that I've been to Puerto, to Puerto Rico, I, I, sp- I speak to people and like, what happened to your accent? Like, what kind of accent do you have now? Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Chameleon accent? Don't call me out. I'm <laughs> hiding. <laughs> well, you know, it's actually, it's funny. When I, when I worked in North Carolina and New York and New Jersey uh, as, as a therapist, I purposefully worked towards adjusting my, my accent in a way that was, this doesn't, this probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Um... And I don't think I don't think it makes sense. Period. <laughs> I don't think it can make sense anyway because I don't think it's true. But I was trying to have a neutral accent, and that is that is almost impossible. But I was trying to do something, or not neutral, like universal, something that kind of like that could I could fit in and have a conversation with people from different countries. Yeah. And I did that with vocabulary. Like you can, there is training, and there's ways to literally like change your 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 accent and your way of speaking. You can you can do that. Um, that's hard work, um, but it's something that's possible. I tried to do it and it kind of, 
I ended up with like strange vocabulary and a, like a weird <laughs> accent in Spanish, um, and it, it it was it was kind of funny. But in general, like if I if I if I go to another country or speak to someone from another country, like I adapt it very very quickly. And one of the weirdest things that happened to me at one point was I don't and I don't remember what age it was. I think it was at some point in my twenties. I I basically like assimilated someone else's laugh, and I just started laughing differently. And it was like I heard them laugh a couple times, and then I, I I caught myself laughing the same way, and that was not on purpose at all whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know. And it was the weirdest I, thing. Like I could hear myself laughing as the other person. It was like this out of body experience, and I like it's not like I could go back. Like I didn't program my laughter. It was. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, t- I told you Nina says I laugh like you now, right? I mean, I, I get Sometimes it. Sometimes I, I do. <laughs> I get it. I am very I susceptible it. to other people's um, way of speaking and other people's like laughs and Mannerism, that kind of everything. thing. Yeah. Mannerisms. Someone starts saying a phrase uh, like one summer at camp, someone started saying amazing <laughs> And so I kept you just say saying everything was amazing yeah, in that way. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it started to become a problem. Um, we used to have international staff come to camp. And um, this when this one staff member from Venezuela would speak with a thick accent, I actually ended up starting started talking back to her with a Spanish accent. And it was so bad, especially because I'm white. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to make fun of you. That's this is up, literally yeah. my brain is doing it. <laughs> um, it was bad. It was bad. My brain thinks that it would be safe if I assimilated more. So I'm just going to do that. Oh, God, I'm making a fool of myself. Yeah. <laughs> basically, I've, basically. I've tried to put a lot of thought into that. It's like, do I just like, do I have no identity? And I just adapt to all identities of, of whatever's around me. Of, um, I don't, yeah, it's. Is that, is that the human experience? I just socially sponging up stuff around you until you're all full of juice? Yeah, but you'd think you were, yeah, but I guess I'm, I've. I guess I'm leaking somewhere because I keep adapting other. I need I, I need to find a study, but I've heard that empathic people are yeah. more susceptible. I can yeah. speak um, to this kind of like absorption. I can I can I can buy that. Yeah, mirror neurons and all that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wish I had more control over it. <laughs> yes, I don't. So I don't do I. Know. I don't want to come off racist. Yeah. But but yeah, so th- I mean that's just terrible. We need to talk about that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but I th- I think this all just illustrates how how unconscious some of this stuff can be. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's like how why do I believe this? How do I think this? Yeah, yeah. Good conversation, Link. Anything anything mm-hmm. you wanna any anything else you wanna add to wrap up? Closing thoughts. I don't think so. I feel like this was a good conversation. Okay. I tried to emulate the sound you made just now. I used to be able to when I was younger go higher, but I can't anymore. <laughs> I used to be really, really good at it. I could, I could like copy a sound without having ever made it before. But now I, which I don't know if it's part of everything that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's related. I bet there, there's overlap in that Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah. Something about my brain. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's another aspect of of social communication. So, yeah. Yeah. and cultural yeah. appropriation, Lara. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unconscious cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it faded after like a week of not talking to her. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing too, right? It just, it just. Well, because you started picking up other other people's. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode of GT Radio. For more GT, for more geek therapy, visit geektherapy.com. For our forum, visit forum.geektherapy.com. Our Discord, geektherapy.com slash Discord. And thank you for listening. Remember to geek out and do good. We'll be back next week. Mm, Bye. This episode was brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. We'd like to say a very special thank you to our supporters at the evangelist level and above, including Mark, Booney, Lydia, Jamila, Adam, Doe, Gay, Pat, and Joe Lynn. To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash geektherapy. 